Gyro Nation Metal. Welcome back, everyone. This is Jeff with Gyro Nation Metal. Kentucky melodic black metal band Volcandra released their latest EP titled Border World earlier this year on June 24th. The title Border World is a direct reference to Half-Life, as is the album artwork by, and if I say this wrong, I apologize, Verisys Otak. Border World is a follow-up to their debut album, which was released in 2020, just as the events during the pandemic were starting to transpire. Gentlemen, thank you again, and thanks for being so patient. Yeah, thank you, man. I guess just for the listeners, so they can differentiate between you two, do you guys just mind introducing yourselves and what you do for the band? Uh, yeah, my name is Dave Polensky, and I'm the vocalist. Um, I'm River Jordan, and I play guitar. Well, it's good to sort of meet you guys. Yeah, absolutely. At least in the audio format. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so let's chat Border World. It's a, it's a great little EP there. I had a lot of fun with it. Why Half-Life? Because we're a bunch of nerds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think uh, we talked ahead, about River. it sort of as a joke at first, and then Dave started bringing all the ideas together uh for the ep and we realized that all of it's about video games and we've just been running with it (laughs) definitely not a bad idea i love that our first record into the azure uh there's songs about video games there's songs based off of movies or books or series um and then so when it came to like the ep it was like okay well like we'll keep it a little more consistent and we'll just make every song about a different video game Hmm, fair enough and i read in the previous interview you know i mean oh sorry go ahead uh, i was saying and you know like i don't know most black metal bands sing about you know being sad or (laughs) or whatever (laughs) so uh we figured it would at least uh, you know thematically break the monotony Mm. that or or at least uh break the stereotype that you know all black metal bands are you know sad boys um but you know we're just we're just guys being dudes and we like we like a lot of different nerdy things so um some of that spills over into the music and that's just kind of kind of where it lands really so kind of just taking a lighthearted, less serious approach to the music yeah i mean i i would still say you know, obviously, like, we care about the craft of, of writing a good song or, or you know, or an album or anything like that. But, uh, you know, we still want to keep things fun for us and, and for the listener and, and for people that come to shows and stuff. And just, you know, we still want it to be a good time all around. Mm-hmm. In a previous interview, you mentioned that the cover was made in a specific world. I think it was called um, Zen in uh, in half-life there why that specific area or sequence of events um just because it looks awesome <laughs> <laughs> and uh more specifically i took inspiration from the remake of the first half-life game which is called black mesa okay um and when you get to zen in that remake i mean like just the the game developers really like went all out with the level design and it's just kind of this just gorgeous engrossing world um and you know when we were playing around with ideas of of album art uh you know like the, our previous record again into the azure it's it's in you know the album artwork isn't anything crazy or flashy but it's it's an environment so i we we kind of like this idea of like you know the different album covers being these cool like like fantasy landscapes um and you know i think zen worked out really well in that regard especially with it you know being thematically tied to one of the songs in the ep so it just it just made sense mm-hmm. and, i mean it's it's a cool piece and and Verisys just you know knocked it out of the park with with it you know we're super happy with how that how that art came out and it's got a lot of co- uh, cool contrasting colors on it as well like it's it stands out to the eye totally man yeah you gotta have those complementary colors i mean you don't have to but you know, it, it helps. It, it helps. Definitely. It helps catch the eye for sure. You also said that part of the, the title border world was not only a reference to Zen, but also because the band is, enter, is entering like a new stage in your guys' career. So what are some of the most substantial steps between your album and the EP, either musically or just within the band themselves or your yourselves, I guess. Um, um yeah, go ahead. River. So I've been talking too much. I think <laughs> the biggest change between, the first record and the EP and the band moving forward 
is that it became much more of a band when we wrote Border Worlds. The first the first record was sort of just throwing darts at a board, hoping that something sticks. Just writing anything, and now we're all sitting in a room, writing music together, operating as a band, working through these ideas, you know, that make us all happy. And anything that excites us, you know, we're doing it. And that's not necessarily uh, at anyone's cost. No one's doing something that's not exciting someone else. At least I don't think so. So, you know, <laughs> we're sitting here writing these tunes together as a band for Border World. And uh, I think the end product was way more of a matured collaborative thing. Yeah, I would I would agree that the writing process was more collaborative and uh on top of that I I think that the the mashing of of subgenres is a lot more apparent on Border World like there's there's some like thrash metal and death metal elements on there that were not as prevalent before um and and aside from like the music i think i think when we decided to like really strap in and 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 push this thing as far as we could go was was when we heard from steve joe from prosthetic because he he hit us up not long after we put out our first album um and he was basically like hey whenever you guys have something else ready let me know uh you know we want to work with you and and that was like incentive enough to be like okay well you know let's you know let's do the damn thing so i want to say summer 2020 that he kind of poked us yeah yeah somewhere around then yeah he just hit us up on like instagram (laughs) i think like on the prosthetic page yeah pretty (laughs) just like hey what's up guys shout out to steve joe real uh a real a real one yeah yeah steve's rad did you guys suspect that wasn't like a real message or because it came from the prosthetic account? Were you like, what the fuck's going on? Do they normally well, do it this way? Actually, the way it started <laughs> out was Steve put into uh, the Azure on his end of the year list, like his personal favorite albums. So we were just like interacting with the prosthetic uh, Instagram and social media. And then, uh, yeah, at one point he just he because Steve runs all the uh, Instagram for the record label. At one point he just kind of poked us poked us on uh, the old DMs, slid into our DMs and said, <laughs> "Hey, send us send us something once you got it." So that yeah, and I think. Uh... On top of on top of that, we have to thank uh, Jr. from Birminghorn Meadery because he's friends with Steve, and I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think he like recommended us to Steve. He was like, "Hey, man, you got to check this band out." I think I think that's what he told me when when we were there earlier yeah. this year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. yeah so shout out to Jr. and, and Birminghorn. It's pretty he's cool how it, your music can gain such traction just based on the word of one other person. Yeah, dude, it's crazy, man. I mean, and that's that's the thing, man. It's like it's just who you know and and getting getting heard by the right people. Like mm-hmm. it it is like you said, it's it's wild how far that can go for a band, you know. Yeah, and you hit it right on the nose. It has to be the right person. Like you can talk all you want to whoever you want, but if it's not the right person that can get things moving or that has like a specific role in that kind of thing, you're not going to go really anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. So what does the partnership look like between you and Prosthetic? Is it an album-to-album basis, or is this something that you have a certain number of albums that you have to put out? Yeah, it's a, it's a three-album deal. Um, so the next next three releases we do will will be through Prosthetic. Nice. And you guys are already working on your next album, if I'm correct, right? Oh, yeah, man. We're, uh, we're knee-deep. We, uh, <laughs> we've, been, we've been jamming through all the songs like on a weekly basis. And uh, we're planning on starting on tracking in January. Yeah, late January. Like, I think it's like a week after we get home from 
the run of shows we're going to do with Amy Anzis and, and Toxic Ruin earlier that month. So we're, you know, we're, we're on the grind right now as mm-hmm. far as songwriting goes. And what does that timeline look for like you for you guys? Do you have a set number of like months or uh, like a specific timeline that you like to follow? Or do you just kind of take it one step at a time, accomplishing smaller goals along the way? Well, uh, when we first had like the initial like Zoom call with Steve, um, he, he basically told us like the idea, the ideal like amount of time between an album getting released and turning in the next album is like, like 16 months, I think is what he said. But at the same time, he was like, you know, it's not like, you know, it's not like you have a crazy hard deadline for every consecutive release. But uh, with that said, I mean, there is incentive to to do the work and and get it done in a timely manner um, because that also plays into like, you know, what position you're going to be in to get your album pressed on vinyl next, you know, like, because obviously all these things fall in order. It's kind of like a first come first serve thing. And so, you know, we figured like if we just bust our asses and get another album cranked out, then, you know, we'll probably hopefully be, you know, one of the first in line to, you know, to get the record pressed and, and get everything moving and, you know, just get the wheels turning for like the next album cycle. I I think it worked out in our favor where after, you know, the two years of, covid and everything when we sat down and started looking through all the material we've had that we've kind of thrown back and forth between everyone we were sitting at like 30 unfinished songs and we're like all right well let's pick the ones we like the most and start getting to work so it wasn't like that hard to start writing this next one it was pretty pretty natural especially with two years off you know practically during covid it was like we better have some material to work on my gosh (laughs) (laughs) you guys also don't seem like the type who just like to sit down and do nothing um did steve mention at all why the 16 month period is the sweet spot um i don't know if he mentioned like why specifically but you know i think i think it's equally as important for the label to have have their bands you know putting out content you know uh and you know between all the different artists on the label i'm I'm sure they want you know at least more than enough to work with so they can you know schedule out the release cycle and everything um but yeah man we've got we've got like a library of of songs and riffs uh that we've kind of been pulling from you know for the past year uh so there isn't there's definitely the well isn't running dry. No, there was, soon, there was, so there's definitely speak. more songs that we didn't choose to put on this next album than ones we did choose. There's too many. Yeah, it's a great yeah, problem. It's a good problem to have. And then you have the chance to go back and rework some of those songs if they're not really working for what your band is putting out at that Absolutely. time. Right? Totally. That and there's a, like, there's a song that's going to be on the next record where I think like we took or it might be a couple of songs on the next record that we took a couple riffs out of that we can be like well this can totally work in another song at another time so you can you can totally recycle ideas that way i'm familiar with how people like choose to put something in their music but how do you choose what to take out of a specific song i don't know i think it i think it comes down to like tr- trying to like approach uh your own music as you would someone else's you know, because like, you know, I'll listen to something and I'll be like, eh, you know, that, that, that part of the song kind of drags a little bit or or maybe this is like too repetitive or whatever. So like, you know, it, just as long as you can have constructive criticism and, you know, none of none of us have like these giant inflated egos to where like if if somebody has an idea and someone else is like, eh, I don't know about that. No one no one in the band really like no one's like feels like they're getting their toes stepped on because I think everybody has the same game plan uh, as far as like doing, doing what is best for the music, you know, even if that means like forfeiting, you know, your own ideas. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, like I just try to like, I try to like listen to like our pre-production demos or our recordings or whatever, and just try to just nitpick, you know, and I, I listen to those a lot 
that way by the time you get to the studio you've you've hammered out all those you know janky ideas and you know you've you've like carved down and, and slimmed down the song into like exactly what it needs right. to be then and you oh, oh i was sorry, just go gonna say i mean a lot of the songs that uh a lot of the songs when they're in their first form are just kind of riff salad you know it's just guitar and some program drums and you're trying to imagine how to make this into an actual song like with everything else that goes on so i think sometimes it comes down to once everyone else is adding what they're gonna add and the vocal lines start coming together or the second guitar line starts coming together it's like we don't it doesn't need to have eight riffs in one song it can be four riffs it just needs everyone else's input because usually the uh, usually songwriting in this band at least starts as one person coming with an idea yeah and like a song really isn't finished until everybody's kind of put their right their own flair on it and that that comes especially with our drummer mike like like his his drums on the guitar riffs in this band are just like it's kind of what makes volcandra volcandra in my opinion <laughs> like and that's like that's a big percentage of it hmm. it's interesting that you say that because a lot of people tend to think that the guitars or the vocals end up kind of making more of the band or the sound what it is but picking out the drums is a pretty unique dude i think i think your drummer like will make or break your band your your band is only as good as your drummer is like you could have like the sickest riffs in the world but like if your drummer can't keep time then like it's just gonna it's gonna fall apart like you gotta have that that foundation and uh yeah our drummer mike man he's he's a machine dude and he's he's a good sport about you know ideas we give him which <laughs> are mostly just like yeah, just uh, just play more blast beats over that part. Like <laughs> that's like that's mostly our input for him. <laughs> but no, um, but yeah, he's I don't know. I feel like he's he's really like the final touch on on everything. I'll say more or less. The timing part yeah, makes like, sense too. Um, a perfect example of that um, is uh, on Talon Four from uh, Border World, the opening track. The way that Mike interpreted that song is something I could have never imagined. And like the free pro, if you if I go and listen back to it, the whole song is entirely different feeling based on whatever drums I program versus the finished product and it's it's so much cooler. Yeah, I mean we as as guitar players or vocalists can sit down and, you know, program all these crazy drums, but like we we don't have we don't have like the sensibilities that an actual drummer has. And for someone that has been playing as well and as long as Mike has, like he, he definitely, he definitely pulls out some ideas that, that like river said, we never would have come up with ourselves. So that's super important to the sound of Volcandra. It's kind of like that human aspect. Like you can, like you said, program the drums or even guitar nowadays. And it's, it just doesn't have that human feeling. It doesn't have that, uh, it just seems to be more, more impactful, if that makes sense. Totally. Yeah, and, and we're definitely not a band that wants to sound, like, super polished or super perfect, you know? Like, you want, like, the recordings to sound good and everything, but, um, yeah, we're definitely, I don't know. I don't like records that sound too perfect. It's just, like, it's it, it feels so, like, impersonal, I guess, if that makes sense. Totally. Kind of, like, overproduced yeah, in like, a way. Totally. Yeah, yeah, like, that's definitely something we're not going for like we try to keep it a little loose a little rock and roll and, and and that translates to to a live show too you know like when it comes to songwriting it's like how was how was a crowd how was a room full of people going to react to this you know like that's that's totally something that's in the back of our heads all the time you mentioned that you'd bring in a different bunch of different influences to this ep and in the past you've also said that you didn't w just want to play black metal you talk about video games and pop culture and stuff like that so what were some of the influences behind that approach to black metal uh you mean like musically yeah just like um taking in different influences not really keeping uh to the same format that you know black metal of old is kind of known for and then taking a more melodic approach to it 
Yeah, uh, I'll let yeah River you answer that uh, one. You write most of the riffs. I think I think black metal with all the love I have for the genre. I think it's a genre that suffers from a lot of influencing itself. If that makes sense, the next black metal band is influenced by the last, and so on and so forth, all the way back to Venom or Dark Throne or whatever. And I think that. Really, to make any good art, you can't just stick within the confines of what you're exactly what you're doing. Like, um, I think that's something that we've tried to do, at least uh, attempted at, is pulling different areas, maybe, you know, whatever. Classic rock, um, Judas Priest, ACDC, pop song structures, but all of that through a black metal lens. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good way to look at it. Like you shouldn't you shouldn't rip off one of your favorite bands. You should rip off right. all of if them. Right. If you love ACDC and you, you know, love like... Dark Throne, let's see what those sound like together. <laughs> <laughs> that's a cool take on that it. and it's like you know like say what oh i just said that's a cool take on it i haven't heard that before just like stealing from everyone you love instead of just one specific vein yeah and i mean we love all different types of music like death metal thrash metal old school heavy metal like you know classic rock like so i don't know i think it's i think it's integral uh for for us at least to to combine as many things as we can, as long as it stays like within like, you know, a cohesive sound that that at least people recognize us for. I would say, I think the best way to put it would be like, like the skeleton, like the blueprint of what Volcandra is is black metal, but we're definitely dressing it up with tons of other stuff, um, and you can you can definitely expect more of that like moving forward. Like I would like to get to the point to where people are like, Oh, I don't know. They're like, it's kind of hard to like call them a black metal band, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and you could probably even really say that now. Like, you know, like there's, there's definitely more going on than just that one subgenre. Yeah. It seems like black metal has kind of grown in the past few years, at least um, I'm relatively new to it. So the black metal I knew of the, like I said, the original is kind of, very flat, very raw sounding. And it seems like it's just evolved into like, say the same idea as death metal, where you have like technical death metal, um, melodic death metal. And it's, I see black metal following the same now. So there's so many different influences, different styles. So you can't just say, I like black metal anymore. It's like, well, what kind? Totally. And a lot of my favorite bands currently are bands that are, you know, meshing different ideas. Like, uh, like, uh, I really like worm from, from Florida. Oh, I don't know if you yep. listen to them. Their new EP is nuts. Oh, it's awesome. And, you know, they're, like, kind of, like, this, like, hybrid of, like, doom and black metal and death metal, like, and then, then you have all these, like, crazy, like, guitar solos over it. Like, it's, like, I don't know. It, it totally breaks uh, breaks the mold for, like, any, any of those genres, period. Like, I love it. But it's not, it's also not, like, trying to do too much, you know? Like, mm-hmm. and the, I think that's a similar goal for us, you know? Like. You don't want to, you know, we're not going to write like a Mr. Bungle album, you know, like, and and that's not, that's not to say Mr. Bungle like sucks or anything, but like, you know, like it's, it's going to be a recognizable, but definitely want to like throw some curveballs at the listener, you know, so there isn't any like stagnancy. Have you listened to First Fragment? Mm -hmm. Yeah. First Fragment's great, man. Same guitarist. Oh, really? Yeah, so Phil Tega from First Fragment, he has a couple other bands, too, that are quite good. Um, he did the guitars on the new Worm EP, and he's fucking nuts. Like That's awesome. Uh, our our friend Malcolm Pugh from Inferi, <laughs> I think he has, I think he has a, um, a guest guitar solo on one of the more recent First Fragment albums. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's a band full of just tons of incredible musicians. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, that whole artisan era side of things as well, like Malcolm and Mike, and basically all the bands on their bill are just insane. Yeah, man. 
Yeah, Mike and Malcolm uh, helped us with our music video for Resonance Cascade. Oh, cool. What was it like working with them? Oh, man, they were great, man. Uh, I've I've known, well, I think both River and I have known both Mike and Malcolm for a long time. So they're, they're definitely buddies. Um, and working with them was, like, super laid back, but they were also there to, like, do business. Um, and the production of that video was, was super fun because... I basically wrote storyboards for everything and I, you know, I, I went and like got all like the, the costumes and props and stuff. Um, and basically we sent everything in preparation over to those guys and they're like, okay, we can, we can make this work. And I think we, we filmed it in like two days. We filmed like, like everything in the video in like two days. Um, and Malcolm did all the filming uh, and editing. And I think he, we got like the finished version of the video back in like a week and a half. Like, I mean, he was just, yeah, he just killed it, man. He did, he did an excellent job. That's incredibly quick for a music video, isn't it? I, I, I guess so. That's like, that's like the biggest production of a, a music video I've ever been involved it's, with. Uh, it's those yeah, massive the, the awesome. hands, man. Oh, cool. Malcolm's insane. Yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> He, he's dude he's one of those people that like anything he touches he's just well when, stupid uh, good at um, when mike and malcolm came up and uh worked on that video malcolm was going on and on talking to jamie our guitarist um about warhammer and i didn't realize before that that uh malcolm painted warhammer figures like very well like he is very good at painting Warhammer. I was like, how does this guy have the time for all all the stuff he does? Like, he's married. He's in a successful, like, constantly touring band. He owns a record label. And he's still painting Warhammer figures, like, at a professional level. Insane. <laughs> and he made our music video. Like, come on, dude. Huh? Save some for the rest of us, man. Yeah. And... We're recording our next record with Mike Lowe as well. Oh, so. sick! Awesome. Yeah, he's uh, yeah. he's into producing and, and and like music engineering, right? Yeah, yeah. Man, another thing I have yeah, to those, say about Malcolm is like, he's it, gigantic. So I don't know how he how he paints those things. They're so <laughs> small. You gotta have a Apparently. you gotta have a magnifying glass and like tiny paintbrushes. Yeah, I don't know. I guess we should have got Jamie on this interview too. He probably could. Oh yeah. He probably could have <laughs> told you more about painting Warhammer figures. So speaking of pop reference influences, um, River, I think it was you who mentioned that uh, Talon 4 also referenced Metroid. Uh, you've also noted that you have sci-fi and fantasy theme to basically all your songs on the EP. Some of the tracks referencing Shadow of the Colossus and The Last Guardian. So is this the direction you guys are planning to continue traversing? Or are you guys going to take a step to a different side and have more personal experience or uh, narrative-based songs? Um, I, uh... Oh, go ahead, River. I was going to say... Uh... <laughs> I mean, I don't see this band. I don't think we've really written anything that's very personal. I don't know if it'll. I don't know if Dave's always going to do video games, but I feel like it's almost always been uh, escapist art. You know, it's it, fantasy and sci-fi, or some kind of storytelling seems to kind of go hand in hand with the kind of music that we just tend to create naturally. Anyways, Dave, go on. Yeah, uh, I was I was gonna say I, yeah I don't want to like you know I don't want to be pigeonholed and to be like oh this is just a band that sings about video games like like I I just like the idea of of science fiction and fantasy uh, in general and and like River said I think a lot of that subject matter like really complements the music um, so I I think that's probably something you can always expect is for it to be this kind of like escapist you know kind of mentality with the lyrical content um the the next record is going to be a, a concept album and i don't want to give away like you know what the subject matter is going to be but it is it is of like you know that same kind of stuff well you know like we're not we're not really singing about reality or, or politics or or societal issues or anything like that um i think like maybe like the coolest thing to do moving forward and eventually would be like to maybe like write our own 
concept you know like come up with with our own like lore for something like that would be that would be do really like fun rush, and involved do like a rush thing. um yeah and then uh we could pull like a coheed and cambria and put out a comic book <laughs> that, <laughs> that coincides with the record that'd be really cool especially with all of your different sci-fi and fantasy influences yeah yeah so maybe maybe that's something to look into one day and then you know we'll come out with like an action figure line, and then we'll we'll have our own Warhammer figures that, <laughs> that people can buy and paint at the merch table. <laughs> now we're we're looking to we're looking to do the kiss thing and and have as much merchandise as possible. Well, you made it once you're an action figure, so <laughs> right, right. One of these days, mark my words. Going through a couple of your past interviews, and I know I've referenced this a lot, but video games are something that I, I love and I have for the past like 30 plus years. Um, so you and many others obviously have a high reverence for the Team Ico games, so Shadow of the Colossus, Last Guardian. And you mentioned that the games are masterpieces for you. So for you, what constitutes a masterpiece, oh, sorry, a masterpiece of a game, and what are some other games you'd group into that category? Um. For me, when it comes to the, the Team Ico, is it Team Ico or Eco? I can never remember which I'm way probably to pronounce masterizing it. it but... <clears throat> well, you know, you get the point. But uh, for me, like, I, and I think this is something that's been realized probably within like the last like decade or so. Um, you know, I think I think video games are just as much of an art form, or at least they can be, as much as like a a film or a book or or, or whatever. Um, and and what really set the bar high for those games for me was was that like I was emotionally invested in in what was happening, and you know and by the time the thing was over I was just kind of like, you know like it stuck with me it was like a story that that I just I thought about you know like for like probably like a week later you know like um, and and if a if a video game can do that then then I think I definitely think that's a masterpiece. Um, other other games I would consider masterpieces would be like, uh, I think the first Dark Souls is is excellent. Um, Diablo two is is a big one for me. Um, I really like Doom three. Uh, I mean, I could I I could go on and on, but those are some of mine. Uh, River, um, what about you? I'm a big fan of The Witcher three. I loved The Witcher three. After finishing that game, that was. It felt like an era of my life was over. I went back and I went back and replayed the main game, not all the DLC, but amazing game. Um, I love the Yakuza games, which there's still a few I need to finish in that series. Um, and then I'm just a huge Nintendo fan, honestly. I think me and uh, Mike Hargrave, our drummer, we're both. Big, big Nintendo fans just from growing up and everything, uh, playing Mario and that like one of my first consoles was an SNES, and then had a 64 growing up, and yeah, dude, I I love that shit, and even uh, even just like platformer games from the early 90s and stuff, like it wasn't quite viewed as art at the time or on the same level as cinema or, you know, uh, whatever, uh, fiction or whatever. But some of those games are really beautiful and really inspiring, honestly. Especially in the SNES, because they had a certain, like, graphic style that's been able to age very oh, well. Oh, yeah, like Donkey Kong Country. Oh, like, yeah, dude. That game is beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic game. Yep. Dude, Even Donkey Kong there. Country was that was my first video game and I remember like having like the the Super Nintendo box, right? Like when you when you when the console first came out and Donkey Kong Country was one of the games that was like advertised on the box for the console and it was like it was saying that like Donkey Kong Country uses the same type of technology that brought uh, the dinosaurs from Jurassic Park to life or the Terminators it's from like Terminator 2 sick. like and I mean Dude, I mean, and yeah, dude, I mean, that game's, that game's incredible, honestly. It's so ahead of and its time. That game had a huge impact on lots and lots. I mean, it still does, but growing up playing that game, like, it was like an eye-opening moment. Like, wow, this is possible. 
and just like the music and all the audio layers and the graphics in that game. Yeah. The soundtrack's incredible, man. I can I can hear oh, you know exactly, like the underwater levels. Right now. Yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking about. <laughs> Dude, yeah. <laughs> I saw this meme and it was like it was like, okay, going to the composer, yeah, just write something cool, you know, just don't go don't go overboard for this underwater level. And then it like it's like the, it's like a piano player and the piano's like on fire. Like <laughs> But like really, I mean like you listen to that and like like it's really, really well written music and I mean we can hear it in our heads today because not not because you know, we played the game so many times over and over and over again, but because it's like, it's so good. And I mean, that goes for like, I mean, there's incredible scores for so many other games. Uh, Shadow of the Colossus, especially is my favorite score by the composer Koatani. Like, like I listen to like the battle themes from that game. Just like, (laughs) just like all the time. They're so good. Like if I'm like, cleaning the apartment or if i'm like at work i'll just like blast that shit it gets me so pumped up that's a testament to how much of an art form video games actually are like they have the narrative side of things they have the interactivity they have music they have the actual visual art style so it's like an amalgamation of everything and it's you're actually going on that journey rather than just passively watching it happen totally what do you guys think of elden ring i've played a little bit man uh I'm my girlfriend and I we decided we're going to get ourselves a PS5 for Christmas. So I'm not going to I'm not going to pick it up again until we get the PS5, but uh I've what I have played of it, I've thoroughly enjoyed. I think it's I think it's incredible. Definitely one of my favorites, but I'd have to agree with you on the original Dark Souls. Yeah, man, it's the original Dark Souls is a modern classic, dude. Like and that goes with like the level design, the interconnectivity of everything the the ambiguous story um the music yeah i mean it 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 checks off all the boxes like people are going to be talking about that game for you know until the world ends probably i mean it spawned a whole different genre called souls like so it's got to be doing something right totally it's interesting that you mentioned the ambiguous story too because now a lot of people are i guess elden ring is up for best narrative in video game I don't really know in what award show. I don't really follow that. But there's some controversy because they're like, it's not a narrative because they don't give me all the information right off the bat. But it's through world building and through like all those text descriptions that you actually fully flush out the game and the narrative behind it. And you go as deep as you want to go. You don't have to search for anything, but you can go in depth and find out almost everything about it. Yeah, man, it's it's definitely like a, a world that you kind of have to like soak in over time. And I, I kind of like that. It's like, it's not just fed to you, you know, like I like the ambiguity to stuff like that. It, and it, it leaves kind of this sense of like wonder and, and mysticism to, to the world, you know, you're, you're in for the duration of the game, as opposed to something like, you know, like, uh, like an Elder Scrolls game. And I, I do like the Elder Scrolls games a lot as well, but it, but those games, like, I feel like at times over explain things, you know? Yeah. 100%. And that's not to discredit like the lore and the story there because there's like loads of it and, you know, credits to the writers of those games. But, but I appreciate things being a little more like mysterious for sure. Definitely. And I think with, with a lot of games, they, they kind of, force feed things to you whereas the souls franchise or or souls likes i guess it's more or less take what you want and move on if you want to keep digging in we have stuff for you but if you don't that's cool yeah if you want to go bonk people (laughs) with a sword (laughs) by all means (laughs) what kind of builds do you normally stick to on the in souls likes dude i'm melee all the way (laughs) just like strength build big ass sword uh I don't know. I'm sure. I'm sure. Like, magic and spellcasting is super cool and useful. But I'm kind of a caveman when it comes to any RPG. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> all right, let's just run up there and and bonk him on the head. Unless it's Elder Scrolls, then you're a stealth archer, and then whatever. Oh else yeah. You want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the only class. <laughs> Jumping 
completely different ship now. You guys are keeping quite busy. So Dave, you're also a member of Chaos Sanctuary, Cryptic Hymn, and Throne of Legions. And River, you're a member of Blind Scryer. Uh, if I read this correctly, previously Deep Scufa, mm-hmm. uh, Malignant Vision, and Stonecutters. So, oh, and then Dave also, you joined Storm Ruler for one of their tours. How do you guys balance your time between all this stuff? Uh, loaded question. <laughs> uh, since Volcandra got signed to Prosthetic, this is this is definitely um, my you know main priority by far. Uh, Chaos Sanctuary is just a studio project. <laughs> you mentioned Throne of Legions. I haven't heard that name in a while. That was that was also just like a studio project I did like when I was like twenty years old. Throne of Legions. Uh, I haven't heard that name and in then, a long time. <laughs> <laughs> um cryptic hymns kind of on hold right now uh we have like we have like an album that's like mostly done but kind of taking that one step at a time pretty much um and then yeah the the storm ruler run uh that kind of fell into my lap last minute well it kind of fell into both of our laps like both river and i got offered it but like river had just gotten home from a tour like a month-long tour with stone uh stone cutters and so like I thought about it for like a day and I was like, okay, fuck it. I'm just going to do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was just like a cool opportunity that was kind of hard to pass up. And we, we had just, you know, signed the contract with prosthetics. So I figured, you know, if, if either of us, you know, took that opportunity, it would have, it would be good for us. Um, like for example, storm ruler is on continental booking and you know, now we just, we just got added to continentals roster and, I think, you know, doing that run with him probably right. has something That's to do like, with it. Playing music, it's just, it's all people, you know, but you got to see people face to face and work with them and then spread your branches, you know, or make you, make your social network. And every little thing you do helps with that, helps every other thing you do, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all the, all the tours anyone has done, you know, in, in current bands or previous like it's kind of like you you build this community you know like i'll i'll you know play a a, a show on tour and i'll bump into somebody that like i saw like five years ago uh, on another tour that i did and then they're like hey man what's up like and it's just kind of like i don't know it's you, you make these connections with people that you wouldn't have otherwise ever made um and you get you add all these things to your your resume so to speak um and the more you do it the easier it gets because the more people you know and the more connections you've made um it's kind of like a snowball effect really well take a look at mike and malcolm for example they've featured in so many different bands they work with the actual like they are the label they work with a multitude of styles of music like everything they do is working towards their one common goal yeah totally it's it's definitely um mutually beneficial i guess that's your you know your question about how how do we balance it i mean personally i think just comes down to you have to love doing it you know it's first and foremost you have to love playing you have to love music you have to love traveling and performing so if 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 you're doing if you have all of that then everything you do you know it's it's not going to feel overwhelming it's just it's going to make your your life that much richer and um i mean personally so i wonder how do i balance going to work and and my bills like, i don't need <laughs> yeah. that shit but yes i do of course <laughs> but i worry more much more about that than oh how am i going to balance playing more music or going on this tour like that I'm just figuring out how can I do this and balance everything else. <laughs> it's kind of like how can yeah, you I maximize think... your time doing what you love exactly. versus what you have yeah, to do that's in a order great way to, to I guess, move along. Yeah, it kind of boils down to like, you know, can can I afford to do this? Um, is it going to jeopardize any you know of my relationships? Um, you know, you, you definitely have to have a balance there. Um, and, and like River said, you have to, you have to love it. You know, you gotta, you have to enjoy what you're doing and you have to accept that it's not going to go as planned sometimes, you know, like 
your your vehicle might break down or you might get sick or like you might be running on like three hours of sleep um you know like shit happens especially on tour like and that that just comes with the territory but even even on those days where like maybe you didn't play a great set or maybe like you're not feeling that great like it somehow is still like always worth it, I think, or at least in my experience, you know, and, and it also comes down to like, well, you know, I, I guess I'd rather be doing this than, than be stuck at work or something, you know, like, yeah, because I, I know or there's even been just situations. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, there's been situations where like, I have to like remind myself like, oh, I'm on tour and I have this, this cool opportunity that a lot of people, you know, would would kill for you know like you have to you have to be grateful even when things kind of suck sometimes because i don't know it could it could always be worse i think those moments like i've definitely had to remind myself you know like because because everyone i think has has moments where like man why am i doing this wouldn't it be so much easier if i just didn't like but when I sit there and have those negative thoughts, I'm like, you know, I'm exactly where I've always wanted to be. My bar keeps getting higher where I keep wanting to do more and go farther playing music. And I'm, I'm going to, you know, keep working towards those goals. But at the same time, right now I've achieved so much more than I even thought was possible. And it, it does pay off, even though sometimes it's hard to see, and it's easy to get discouraged like it it's a very very rewarding thing and i'm happy to do it yeah and it's it's kind of it's a kind of reward you don't really get anywhere else um like you get the life experience you get to travel you get to see all these these different places i mean music has taken me like so many places that I would, would not have seen otherwise. Um, and I mean, even for like that life experience, I think it's kind of worth it because I mean, I don't know, like when you're, when you're on your deathbed, like what, what are you going to be thinking about? You're not going to be thinking about like, all, like all the money you saved up, <laughs> like working your job. Like you're going to think about like, you're going to think about the fun you had <laughs> on tour, like, or like you're going to think about the, the experiences that like, meant most to you you're gonna think about the the art you created you know like and i don't i'm not trying to get like sappy or anything but like like it's it, it's your legacy you know like and and whether whether five people or five million people hear your music like it's it's something that you you created and you you, you put your name on it and you put it out there and um you know i th- i think that's that's paramount you know like that's that's so much more important in the long run than a paycheck or or you know something material yeah i agree and when you guys are going through things it's it's hard to see the progress you've made in any small small step that you're making like if you start to look at where you are you're like this might suck this might be a bad situation or whatever but then if you look back at where you've come from and then see what you've accomplished and what you're on the way to accomplish it's like there's a sense of pride. That's where you should embrace the suck and keep moving forward. Yeah, totally, man. Like, I don't know. It's, it can be a shit storm sometimes, but, uh, I feel like, I feel like it's one that we're built for. <laughs> when you navigate it as a team too, like going through things as a band is much easier when you can bounce ideas and solutions off of each other. Yeah. And yeah, when, when something bad happens and it goes wrong, uh, you, you can definitely, muster up a sense of, of camaraderie and morale and be like, well, you know, we went through this and that sucked, but we're still here and, you know, we'll, you know, we'll make it better next time or whatever, you know, like it, it just kind of makes you, uh, stronger, uh, so to speak, I guess. Mm -hmm. I know you guys have covered this in uh, other podcasts, but for those listening who haven't heard you guys chat, how did you guys get into heavier music and who were some of the first bands you were into? Um, River, you go ahead. So, uh, my my parents were both really into music growing up, you know, r- rock and roll, classic rock. Um, my dad had a huge record collection, so I was exposed to a lot of things like uh, 
a lot of like 70s progressive bands like Yes or uh, Gentle Giant or Genesis, Pink Floyd, all that stuff. And uh, I think the first heavy album that I ever heard was my dad had a copy of uh, Master of Puppets in his record collection. And I thought it was pretty cool and I was into it, but I don't know. I wouldn't say it was like a cataclysmic event at first. Um, I think the record that was real life-changing was when I was maybe about 10 or 11. Um, I started, I started giving heavier bands a try, like whatever, Avenged Sevenfold was on the radio and stuff at that time. And I was like, this is pretty cool. The, the guitar solos are cool. And then, um. I remember I got a copy in the $5 bin at Walmart of uh, Rust in Peace by Megadeth and popped that into a little portable CD player and like that that was it that was that was the album that made me uh really just I just wanted to shred <laughs> that's all, I I just wanted to learn to shred like Marty Friedman man so that was just like life-changing album man i can't imagine finding rust and peace for five dollars anywhere anymore <laughs> i was thinking the same thing <laughs> yeah, dude. uh when when i was a kid i think even like before i got into stuff like classic rock um i was really into like like movie soundtracks like like uh i remember like the first time i heard the jaws theme i just thought it was like the coolest thing ever because it, it was so like like bombastic and, and dark sounding, you know? Um, and I think my love for orchestral stuff like that kind of translated into, into my love for heavy music. Um, but yeah, aside from like just orchestral stuff, like, like jaws or, or even like the, like the early, like, like Godzilla soundtracks, um, you know, same effect there or like the Lord of the Rings, or, you know, any, any movie that has like this crazy Epic, like, you know, orchestral music to it. Um, that was always the thing, but then, yeah, I mean, I got introduced to, to ACDC, um, and it, it just kind of went from there, you know, classic rock, new wave of British heavy metal, you know, stuff like black Sabbath, Judas priest, iron maiden, motorhead, and then, you know, thrash metal, death metal, black metal. Um, and I think the first like really, really heavy band uh, that I got into was, mm. was lamb of God. Um, Although the first time I heard Lamb of God, I, I heard it on the the Tony Hawk, uh, one of the Tony Hawk games, and like I thought the I hated the vocals, but I loved the guitar uh, and the in- instruments. Uh, but I think it wasn't until like I saw the music video for for Ruin, and that that like really sold me on it. I was like, man, this is so cool. And then I think, um, what album? I think it was uh, As the Palaces Burn was was like the first album I bought that had like any sort of like guttural vocals on it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just, it just kind of snowballed from there. And, you know, I think we're all pretty well-rounded in our musical tastes. I mean, outside of like, like anything metal, like I, I really like, uh, like old funk and jazz a lot. Um, dude, I like, uh, I like <laughs> J pop and city pop, uh, I like I like some synth wave. I like I like some electronic music in general. Like, um, yeah, I mean, uh, guitar-based heavy music has has always been a mainstay. There's never been like a point in my life where I was like, eh, you know, I, I'm not really into this anymore. But like, no, like that's always been that's always been super important. Who are some of your favorite bands right now? Not necessarily current bands, but who's on your uh, rotation? Ooh, well, I mentioned Worm mm-hmm. earlier. Um, love that band. Uh, I like a lot of like the new wave of old school death metal bands. Um, I think uh, Malignant Altar is awesome. Um, Mortiferum is great. Uh, Oxygen Destroyer is awesome. Um, my my buddies in Coagulate, they're great. Uh, Oxygen Destroyer is that the one with Godzilla on the front and a black and white cover? Yeah, dude. <laughs> okay, yeah. 
that's that's my buddy Jordan. That's like yeah, that's his band, uh, and all their all their music is like not just Godzilla themed, but it's like you know like giant monster themed in general. Oh wicked! Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, the great music. Uh, yeah, if you like just really fast like death metal, it's it's definitely right up your alley. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm I'm really bad at keeping up with new music, but that, that <laughs> new so Worm EP is like that's been like heavy in my rotation. Like I was saying earlier, it's a half hour drive to work. I can listen to that to and from work twice a day if I wanted to. Hell yeah, yeah. Same with your it's guys' EP. Soak, soak in a yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, a, it's a good commute uh, album, I guess. <laughs> Unless you're in traffic. Yeah, because yeah. then you get angry because you yeah, want to exactly. go fast. And, every, <laughs> and people don't use their turn signals and drive under the speed limit and don't get me started. Don't get me started. I'm going to start yelling right now. <laughs> <laughs> and River, did you mention some of the bands that oh, are on your uh, rotation right now? Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. What, what am I missing out uh, on? <laughs> I've really loved the like old school death metal revival that's going on right now. Like, um, mm-hmm. undeath 200 stab wounds, um, blood incantation, all that stuff that's just kind of really been popularized in the last three or four years, and all that shit's just blowing up, and uh, almost all of it's phenomenal. Like I, I love, I love hearing uh, yo- younger dudes doing a take on the classics. Um, aside from that, as far as new music, oh man far as music that came out this year um i loved the new unto others record i think that was late last year but i i absolutely loved that record yeah yeah um, great band yeah the new, the new summerlands is great awesome. a lot of, i listened to a lot of stuff like that um our buddies in savage master just put out a really good record um yeah, the the new uh, like the heavy metal revival is awesome too. Mm-hmm. Like Midnight and Night Demon and Skullfist and just like that whole slew of bands like that that shit rules, dude. Oh, we played uh we played with Tower at RPM yeah. Fest earlier this Tower's year. They, they were fucking that's incredible, that man. Band. Yeah, I know that. What new music have you been listening to? Oh, I've been listening to new bands that do stuff that sounds like old bands, but. That's <laughs> you mentioned Blood Incantation. Uh, Storm Keep is really awesome. That's that's yeah. some of the guys from Blood Incantation. That's like that's one I of the best black metal albums in like twenty years. That like, was a really easily. good album. I didn't realize they were in Blood Incantation as well. Yeah, I, I don't know who exactly is, but I think I know that band is tied to Blood Incantation to some extent. But and Blood yeah, Incantation took a hard incredible. fucking right with their last album. That was it's weird, but it's one of those albums that you just keep listening to like yeah the, i think uh, it's cool it's almost like it's almost like an electronic movie score like something you'd hear yeah. from tron it's like it's like what uh wolves in the throne room did with uh um because they put out celestial lineage and then uh, the album after that was like kind of like a synth like accompaniment to celestial yeah, lineage i don't, I don't remember I the title of it about, but though. that was interesting that was cool same same principle and and it's like some of the same melodies from celestial lineage uh like are reprised on that that synth album i think it's awesome yeah i missed that band i haven't listened to that band in a bit i should give them a spin yeah bulls in the throne yeah. always been always. solid i love that band that's definitely a lot of stuff i need to listen to again you, back to pop culture and games movies and stuff like that uh dave i know you're a huge fan of godzilla but what other game, movie, and book series are you guys interested in? Ooh, um, well, I mentioned Lord of the Rings earlier. Mm-hmm. Huge Lord of the Rings fan. Uh, love the Peter Jackson trilogy. Um, I like a lot of I like a lot of anime. I like uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion, um, Wicked City, Ninja Scroll. I like I like Giver. Basically, like all of like the the late eighties, early nineties, like. OVA stuff that you would see. Um, I'm big into that stuff a lot. Um, and I just like, generally speaking, I, I love horror films from the 80s. I love horror films in general. I went I went hard uh, this past Halloween. I think I watched like, like almost like 60 <laughs> horror films. 
or maybe it was maybe Jesus. it was fifty. I don't know. I watched I watched a shit ton of <laughs> horror movies for Halloween this year. Like that's that's the greatest holiday in the world. Um, I think I saw that on your Instagram. You had like a post of like nine or ten different movies, and you're like, yeah, I crushed all these. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's I mean, impressive. That's, I I love that shit. Uh, what about you? Mm. You know. Don't make me look like a nerd here. I'm over here just like I like these. No, no. Like, <laughs> uh, it's hard because I don't I don't write v- lyrics, but so usually what's influencing guitar is music. But like I was talking about earlier, like which the Witcher series, I was a huge fan of that, and I did start reading through those books. Um, about I guess about a year, maybe two years ago. And I know that now that now there's a show and it's it's pretty sick as well. There's some there's some drama sur- surrounding that, but whatever. Great great series, great world. I'm I'm a big Lord of the Rings fan, of course. Uh, you gotta be. I don't know. There hasn't been anything like. Yeah, if you're not, far, you're wrong. Yeah, if you're not a <laughs> yeah, you're just wrong. This year, I feel like there's nothing that's really grabbed me as far as like a book series or a TV show in um, you know whatever in 2022 I've just been kind of focused on music I hate to say that but like nothing's really been that inspiring to me I'm open to any suggestions but Uh, well, alien yeah, and predator fucking classic. rule. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I think well we had we had like a band movie night one night, and I think it was Rivers and uh, and Mike's that like first good. time watching Predator. That was uh, so that was fun. Mike was like tripping balls on say... acid. So <laughs> that, <laughs> during <laughs> Alien, that, that, yeah, that was a great. Movie. Very very worth the watch. I felt bad for not have seen seeing that. Um, I, I will say the new Hellraiser was really fucking good. I actually had yeah, the thought Hellraiser's watching great. that, like, this could be worth writing a song about. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. Maybe, like, I would I would be down to do, like, a, a Clive Barker-themed, oh, yeah. like, album. Like, I mean, he has so many just incredible stories. Um, I saw Candyman, like the original, for the first time, like last year, and I had no idea that was a Clyde Barker story. And I thought, I just thought it was well, incredible. I love the it. new, the new uh, iteration of Hellraiser is closer to um, the book, right? From what I understand, it felt that yeah, way. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Me, it made me yeah. think I should read that. So. As much as I love Hellraiser, I've never read the book, so yeah, I, I should probably do that as well. The The Scarlet Gospels is really good. Um, I first came across that when I was chatting with Charlie from Deformatory on my third episode, and he was telling me about how they were kind of inspired a lot by Hellraiser. They actually worked with Paul Gerard, one of the Hellraiser artists, and um, they kind of had like their own <clears throat> their own universe, and some of it was inspired directly by Hellraiser, like the whole, I guess, demon dimension or whatever. And Dude, so yeah. I started reading some of the books and like watching the movies and I'm happy that you guys said the newest one is really good. Cause I really want to see that now. Yeah. I think it's a Netflix original, right? Oh yeah, dude. It's, that was a Netflix it's incredible. Or... Oh, Hulu. Sorry. Uh, Hulu. Sorry. Oh, yeah. That was out this year. Same Fuck. with, uh, same with the new predator film, prey. Uh, also, also great. Was it great return to form? Yeah. Okay. That I'll have to take Hulu a look. Cause yeah, the last well. few fucking sucked. Oh yeah, dude. <laughs> prey is awesome though. It's, it's probably, it's probably the best one since the original, for sure. I'll give it a shot. But I'm definitely going to have to watch this uh, new Hellraiser movie. When did that come out? I think that it was, was just September uh, or something. It came oh, out on my what, birthday this birthday? year. O- October 7th. Yeah, it came out on my birthday. I was fucking stoked. Well, happy birthday. <laughs> That's <Thanks>. awesome. <laughs> God, I gotta find awesome. For people looking for your guys' music, where is the best place for them to find it for you? Uh, I mean... Anywhere, I guess. I guess if you want to hop uh, on Bandcamp and buy can... it, that's the most preferable for us. But, you know, we're on Spotify and yeah, uh, Apple. Uh, what are the other ones? There's the other ones. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you anywhere. can stream. Yeah, you can stream our music anywhere that you can stream music. But if you want to, like, support us directly, 
yeah, hit up our Bandcamp uh, or you know play our shit on on repeat on Spotify so we can get those listens up. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that you say that because when I'm at work, I don't always get a chance to play my music, but I always have it on mute and I'm going through like my playlists, just keeping it playing because I'm like, fuck it, I gotta I gotta help somehow if I can't always buy their albums. Yeah, man, those bands we gotta we gotta make that fraction of a cent, dude. Fucking rates, it adds up. <laughs> I mean, not fast, but, but uh, it does. You make it thirty-two <laughs> cents in a year, right? Yeah, we can. We'll buy some cheeseburgers with it. It's fine. I will say. Uh, oh, I, I will say. Um, if you guys want to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, that's where we pretty much update the most about you know recording and upcoming dates, and we're also on bands in town and all that if you want to follow for upcoming tour dates, see if we come to your city and play some fucking metal. So. When you guys come through Canada, let me know. I'll definitely try and make it as long as you're not <laughs> on the other side of the country. Hopefully we can come. Yeah. We're in, we're in Canada. Are you from uh, Alberta? Uh, so okay. just what? Five hours North of the border, I guess. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah hopefully one of these days, man, That'd especially with sick. this, uh, this continental. Yeah. Hoping to do, gig, you know, uh, chances are, Chances are we'll be hopping across the border sooner than later, hopefully. Well, I'll definitely keep my eyes and ears peeled for sure. Excellent. Dave and River, I want to thank you again for joining me today. It was a blast chatting with you. And also thank you again for being so flexible with things. I know things kind of got weird, but um, I appreciate it. And I hope to chat with you guys again. Of course. Yeah, absolutely, dude. Thank you for tuning in. And we will see you next time on Gyro Nation Metal. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. The podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon. Thank you.